Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Welcome, everyone, to the Ed Epley Experience. 30 minutes or less to get one proven idea that will help you run and operate a more successful and sustainable company. Excited today. I'm always excited, but I'm especially excited today to have Scott McGowan with us. This gentleman and I have known each other for 20 plus years. We know a lot of stuff about each other that neither one wants the other to reveal. And so I promise I won't do any of that today to you, Scott. Um, and I'm sure you'll reciprocate. I'm hoping you will. When I think of Scott, a couple of thoughts come into mind. Attention deficit disorder. I think of tremendous courage to experiment and try different things. And I don't know of anybody who's worked harder to reinvent themselves and become a better version of themselves than this gentleman. So he's got a lot to share with us about that. Uh, but he's also got a lot to share about just the, the challenges of managing and leading and scaling a business. So, Scott, welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. Well, hey, thanks for having me, Ed. I appreciate it. Grateful. Likewise. Very grateful to have you here. Hey, uh, because we are recording and this is not done live, we ought to talk a little bit right out of the gate about uh, we're at this COVID-19 thing. And it has uh, you and I were talking before we started recording that this is not it's it's different. Um, so we've we've had a lot of challenges in business in our careers. But how do you find this one? Tell me what's different about it from your point of view and and what you've had to do differently as a leader as you've uh, tried to navigate in the, in this situation. Yeah, you know, it's uh, honestly, Ed, I mean, if, if I let a lot of this stuff come in, um, it's it's been a very emotional experience. So probably the most difficult thing is how do you how you, how you navigate all the news? You know, what's credible? What's good information? And, yeah. uh, you know, I think what I'm most grateful for is probably leading from uh, from the heart in this situation okay. instead of all the uh, the information. I'm a Pollyanna. I mean, I'm, you know, massively optimistic. But uh, this is really strange, and it's hard to figure out what the next steps might look like. Scott, this uh, this virus thing is changing the the way executive teams work. I'm curious about what you and your executive team are doing differently in terms of how often you meet. Uh, obviously, it's virtual, I'm sure, at this point. But what's the cadence look like compared to normal? You know, two weeks ago, we sent our workforce home. So it was a week before Ohio came out with the mandate stay at home order. Right. Uh, we formulated a NB response team pro, um, two weeks ago on Monday. So it's eight leaders uh, across the organization. We have a 9 a.m. Zoom call uh, and we talk about what's new. Each department goes through what's, you know, what's happening and updates. Uh, and we've held those calls uh, in the last two weeks at 9 a.m. every day. Is that what, what would you have normally done? What was normal meeting for the, the executive team? Uh, we have a weekly executive operating committee meeting, so not a daily meeting. So, okay. uh, yeah. All right. What's the uh, is the meeting changing from, you know, in terms of its content or its focus or even its energy? I'm curious about uh, my guess is you can kind of get a feel of the energy of the team going up or down based upon a collective mood. How's that changing since you guys started this two weeks ago? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of moving like questions in regards to, you know, um, interface with the workforce, who's talking to who, who's lined up with who, um, you know, what's going on mail. 
I mean, things like accounts payable, accounts receivable. <laughs> how are we going to pay checks? How are we going to send that out? Payroll offline. Yeah. Uh, human research. We onboarded three new employees on Monday. Uh, really? That we, uh, yeah, which was, you know, which was crazy to figure out how to bring them in the building in a safe environment, meet with IT, take light laptops, work with gloves, put them back in their cars, send them back home and talk <laughs> through Zoom in regards to their onboarding process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 I'm kind of laughing. I probably shouldn't be, but I'm just kind of laughing at the at the. Uh, it's like learning to it's like learning to walk. You know, it's it's just uh, it's a it's amazing when you start to think about how you what you have to do that you take for granted in these kinds of situations. Yeah, we're still interviewing for new hires uh, through Zoom. We're still you know we're still talking about hiring a workforce. You know, most folks don't know, but I'll tell them that you're in an employee benefits organization. It's more than that. You do more than that. But essentially, it's the uh, health insurance that organizations and individuals uh, need in order to be able to uh, live life. And, and so you're you're experts in that. But when you when we say the words employee benefits, what does what does that encompass? Well, really structurally, so it would be their uh, health insurance, their dental, disability coverages. So structurally, what we do is help, you know, how, how does an organization want to pay for it? Do they want to self-insure it? Do they want to fully insure it? Uh, how much do they want to spend? What kind of coverage levels do they want for their workforce? Culturally, how do we communicate that? And then how do we manage that over, uh, over a 12-month period for over 1,400 employers across, uh, across three states? What's the total number of employees for those fourteen hundred employers that you you support? Yep, yeah, we have one hundred and twenty thousand employees, and I like to say we've got a quarter of a million belly buttons: moms, dads, kids, families, <laughs> and about a billion and a half in healthcare spent. When we first started talking, I remember your dad saying, "As long as uh, there's complexity in healthcare, there's a place for us." <laughs> is it more or less complex? I think I know the answer than it, when when I met you first time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a lot more complicated. The Affordable Care Act, you know, added some complexity, which actually was a blessing. Um, the fact that uh, we just had to gear up and retune who we uh, who we were going to be off into the future. Right. Uh, and this has obviously been very complicated for us to uh, to help our customers. But, uh, you know, I think we're doing a terrific job in regards to content and information. What's the what's the biggest impact that you can be certain of right now with COVID-19 in terms of what employers are going to face with health care? Is it I mean, do they get to defer premiums? Is there no change? What's 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 the biggest thing you know to be true at this point? Yeah. So right now, the state of Ohio, the employers can uh, delay premiums for up to 60 days. Okay, uh, and then a lot of employers have questions in regards to, hey, I've got a, a layoffs. Yeah, you know, what do I do uh, in regards to Cobra? If I'm under twenty, what do I do? All those questions, and our resource center answers all those questions. You know, uh, yesterday for our audience, uh, since this is being recorded, we we did a uh, a web meeting, and we had different people talking about what's going on, and from a variety of disciplines, our HR and legal person. Um, you know, made known and reminded everybody that you really can't tell somebody, you can't tell the organization if somebody in your organization's got COVID-19, they got the coronavirus. It's not legal to do that. And yet um, most of us as organizations, if we're smart, we're probably, we need to be operating under the premise that somebody will. Uh, have you guys talked about that, Scott? Oh yeah, we've had two situations. So uh, we've we had two employees. One is we can ask people if they're not feeling well. Or if you've been notified, let HR know. So we have a tip of the spear, one person. Okay. 
then that person would contact human resources, then it is our obligation to contact other people that were in contact with that individual. And of course, we notify the entire workforce. So HR's you know, phone is ringing off the hook. Who was it? You know, and unfortunately, you know, there's, there's, there's real fear and then there's drama and there's all kinds of things. And how do you figure that out without disclosing the individual's name and, and privacy? I'm, I'm curious, would you ever envision, can you envision a scenario where a, a CEO, president, owner would just simply say, screw it. I'm going to tell, we're just, we're just going to rally around this person. We're going to say who it is and, and, uh, <laughs> and go down that path. Can you imagine that or not? You know, I, you know, if you get the person's permission, yeah. if you get the permission, I mean, you know, ultimately like, I'll give you an example. Like if I was diagnosed yeah, or, um, I would have no problem telling HR, you can disclose my name. Um, mostly because of the people that are closest to me. Um, so it might be the CFO or Mike Sutman, the president or other people. Right. Uh, I, I would want them to know. Um, so they could like start to begin to think about, Hey, what are the next steps in my journey look like? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's uncharted waters. And, uh, and like you said, new complexity, new challenges for leaders. You're listening to the Ed Epley experience. Email Ed now with your questions for today's guest to podcast at the in his book, Let's Be Clear, Six Disciplines of Focused Management Pros, author Ed Epley breaks down key practices of professional management, how to implement them, and why it matters. Purchase your copy on Amazon.com today. Develop your competitive edge for the future while building a sustainable and thriving business. Um, talk about your journey in leadership. Do you see that as linear and just a, uh, a series of steps? Has it been, um, you know, ups and downs? Is, is, do you see it in phases? I'm curious about how you've changed over the, the 20 plus years that you and I've known each other. Yeah, it's been a real journey. You know, they say the bottom's a beautiful place to be if you know you're there. Because you've got two choices. You can dig or you can climb. Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of received my you know, own personal bottom in regards to where I was emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I built my life from the outside in. So I felt like if I drove the right car, lived in the right house, had the right stuff, that society would say, this guy's got to get all going on. <laughs> Um, and unfortunately, I, yeah, I remember that car you drove down my driveway that way. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, that was, that was like almost the tipping point. Uh, go ahead. And, uh, go ahead. Now, you know, I think it's a, it, it was, it was probably at that epiphany when I walked in my house and I, I, I caught myself in the mirror and I caught my own eyeballs looking back. And, uh, honestly, Ed, I, I hated the guy looking back. Uh, and I, you know, I, I got to make a decision that I could rebuild myself from the inside out instead of the outside in. It's been probably the most beautiful thing that, that best choice I've ever made in my life. Yeah. Well, it certainly, it certainly reflects in, um, uh, a calmness about you today that wasn't there. Um, I, I, I still see you as a bit ADD, but <laughs> you're, you're, you still have shiny object issues, but <laughs> not like you oh, used there's to. No, there's no, if I was nine years, if I was 10 years old, I mean, I'm on medication right now. There's no question about it. 
<laughs> um, one of the things that you've done as well as anybody that I know of is managing the complexity of owners with whom you are in business and helping them learn the difference between governance and operating a business. Tell the listeners a little bit, because this can be a problem for a lot of closely held family owned businesses um, and, and you're closely owned and you were family owned, but now it's really just a closely held business. Tell the, the listeners about the work you've done to try to help the different people who are now owners understand the difference between governance and operation. Yeah, I mean, it's a journey. So we're like most companies. So you build a company and it turns into a treehouse, just a bunch of people get along, having fun. And then somebody wants to come in that treehouse and you don't want them in and you got to figure out, okay, structurally, how do we operationalize this, this organization? And if you're, if you're a visionary or if you're an entrepreneur or very creative structure and governance is truthfully, it's no fun at all. It's, it's archaic, it's boring, but I will say this, it might be the most important thing for you to get your hands around inside of an organization. What'd you do? Did you guys do this all on your own? Did you seek outside help to, to you know, get the clarity that people needed to have of understanding their roles? What, what was the process? Yeah. So we're really happy with our structure or, or I, I should say our strategy. Uh, and then Ed, you know, we use uh, Aileron, which has been a, just an invaluable resource for McGowan Braybender. And then we look at uh, our board of advisors, Mark Thompson said, Hey, structure follows strategy. You guys have a great strategy. You have no structure you're going to have to figure out what structure looks like with 19 shareholders, 19 different personalities uh, as, uh, as owners. And you need an org chart, um, which we've never had. Heck, we, we ran the organization 20 years without a budget. Right. Uh, right. Um, and uh, it's hard work, uh, but by golly, at the end of the day, it's, uh, I mean, it's worth it. You know, you, you went from when I first met you guys, I think there were five owners probably at that time and you got 19 now. Um, do you see that getting bigger as the business continues to grow or do you think it's going to, it's pretty much at the peak of what you're going to have? I, I hope I'm not asking questions we shouldn't ask, but I'm curious about how many people do you want to be owners? Yeah, we just spent about four months walking through a shareholder covenant. So in other words, how set is everybody on remaining independent, not selling out to private equity or their organization. Well, you've done that. You've done that several times, right? There's been a number of times that you have revisited that issue about whether to be private or not. Oh yeah. The multiples in our industry today are ridiculous. Uh, and if it was all about money, then we would probably sell, but it's not about money. It's about jobs. It's about dreams. It's about people. Uh, and then making sure that new owners come in, that they understand you know, Ed, what's really interesting is so we used to meet weekly as shareholders around a conference table and we would talk about, you know, hand lotion. You know, we would talk about, you know, scope in the bathrooms. I mean, and, you know, it was just it, it was effective. But then we went from weekly meetings to monthly meetings to a board of directors, a board of advisors uh, and shareholders meetings uh, quarterly. Uh, and so if I'm an owner and I'm not and I'm only getting information quarterly, that that, that gets kind of complicated to communicate. So we've right. got to be relentless around that communication. Is it harder to communicate to the shareholders or is it harder to communicate to the employees? Uh, you know, I would say they're both the same. So, you know, I do a weekly blog. I have for 10 years now to the workforce. And now I've turned that into a uh, weekly uh, video cast. It's it, the name of it's one degree. So water's hot at, at 211. It boils at 212. So one degree of separation. And the reason why we call it one degree is the uh, words in the blog is no longer than 212 words. 
and the video is no longer than 212 seconds. And we do that every week. <laughs> Have you gone long in the last couple of weeks? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like uh, Wednesday, for example, I was in the office because we have a rotation and yeah. I just walked, I walked around an, an empty <clears throat> office, a dark office. And I got to tell the workforce and, uh, you know, uh, just how, how grateful and how proud we are of, of our workforce yeah. in the last two weeks. It's incredible. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's, it's exciting when you see the troops rally and that doesn't happen by accident. Mm -mm. That doesn't happen by accident. In your journey to become a better leader, tell us about some of the influential people. Tell, tell us, because there's, there's, it's not one person I know with you. You've, you've sought a lot of people's advice uh, intentionally, and some have offered it without it being asked. Uh, that's probably had impact on you. So tell me, if you don't want to name names, at least tell us what some of the people offered up to you that really affected you. Yeah, I, I, the first would be my dad who tolerated me for a long time. He probably should get the gift of patience. Um, As should up, most fathers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, all that good stuff. You know, our good friend Pete Kunk, uh, yeah. who I worked with, and uh, he told me I was ready to lead, and uh, I wasn't. But he gave me a reputation to live up to. So yeah. uh, it's just that's been priceless. Uh, I'm in a Bible study with a bunch of friends and leaders in the community, and uh, I really didn't have faith. Uh, I thought God was a cop or a principal. Uh, and today I realized that, uh, you know, he's uh, he's my best friend. So um, I have a, a spiritual advisor and I just have a lot of people around me that I can go to for guidance. What do you do to renew, to refill the the reservoir uh, that you need when you're leading? Is, is there something that you do that lets you regain equilibrium, get centered? Yeah, I mean, I never like to be alone um, and I'm an extrovert. Um, but, uh, today I get refueled by actually being alone. So it would be in my car and no music, no sound. Um, and then either on my Peloton, you know, no music, no sound. How often do you Peloton? Well, I was doing it probably, I don't know, every other day in the last two weeks. I mean, I'll get on it today. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it's been a little complicated. <laughs> yeah. Where do you see your leadership challenges going forward? What do you think is the next hurdle for you? You know, probably uh, perpetuation of leadership. So who is the next leader? I think we've got the next level of leadership. So if something happened to me or Mike Sutman, I think, I think we're prepared for that. It is probably um, what's that next level of leadership look like and getting the next crew of people ready, ready to evolve. You know, I've been fortunate to be around your organization enough to know a number of those next level guys and gals and there's a ton of them um you you've been a way ahead of the curve and being able to become an employer of choice and and i would even say being comfortable with the premise that if somebody wanted to leave mb that that you were okay with the premise that you would export talent that you had developed you weren't you weren't afraid of holding on to it if somebody mm -hmm. you know else wanted to leave you're going to have a tough choice I mean, you you have you're one of those rare organizations that could have five, six people who could sit in your chair. Mm -hmm. It's not a question of, do we have a person? It's no, which one's the right person? That's unusual. Yeah. It's probably their passion around culture, which is different. I mean, it's hard to get that. I mean, you know, financially, those are, those are maybe easier decisions, but culturally having that balance between the two yeah. uh, is, uh, is complicated and it's difficult. Well, I, I was just thinking that, you know, um, 
usually you think about the transition that businesses go through. You have uh, the generation one um, and that individual is pretty much a unicorn, which your dad lovingly was a unicorn is a unicorn you know you don't replace somebody like him with usually with one person and you and you and mcgo and braybender didn't you you and mike share the responsibilities that your dad once did by himself um and but there's not going to be somebody that's going to replace scott mcgoan either right it's it's what i mean by that is it's it's you're not looking for a clone here no no not at all not at all Matter of fact, I think the best gift we can probably give our entire organization is that when I leave and Mike leaves, nobody even realizes we're gone. Right, right. Have you and Mike talked about the timing for that? When you have somebody that's integral, uh, the two of you running the business as well as you have run it together about what that transition might look like if you go at the same time or or stage that? Yeah, we have. And actually, you know, we're about the same age. So I think we've decided that, hey, if one person decides to leave, then uh, the other one probably has to wait 18 to 24 months that we both can't leave at the same time. All right. So it, it would not it would not be intentional then to, to depart at the same time. OK, that's good. Right. Well, right. well, that house that you're building, um, <laughs> that's an that's an exit strategy in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, I think my wife's ready for me to to, uh, to slow down a little bit. <laughs> Um, uh, one of the things we promise our listeners is one piece of advice that, that they would, uh, if they were to apply that, that would help them more likely run a successful, sustainable business. What's your, what's your piece of advice to our audience? It, you know, it might be a little deep, but I do think that as leader, we need to know ourselves better than anyone else around us. Um, so the gift of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, uh, and, uh, get a truth teller. Get somebody that's willing to really look you in the face and just, you know, tell you the truth about how you behave, how you act. Um, do you want to tell the audience about uh, your first truth teller uh, who happened to be your assistant? Oh, yeah. <laughs> why, yes. why don't you tell that story quick? So about 22 years ago, my assistant, uh, her name was uh, Victoria Rieger. Her name is Victoria Rieger. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she came in my office and said, you have values painted on the wall. I have my own set of values. You don't exhibit any of them and you talk mine every day. Today's my last day. Uh, you know, a founder's kid. I'll call myself a kid back then because I was immature. Right. And uh, I went back and said, hey, if I uh, uh, I was more worried when I went home that night about what people would think about me with her leaving than actually her leaving. Now that, that say, that, say that one more time. I was more worried about what people would think about me with her leaving than actually her leaving. And that's when I began to realize you might be a sick dude. <laughs> uh, I talked to her the next day and I asked her, hey, if I hired a coach and I gave you access to that coach, would you help me? And actually, Ed, I called you. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I called you and you uh, you uh, got me involved in a Dale Carnegie class and, and I got involved at UD. And she said she would stay under three conditions. Every day I had to go to her office and ask three questions. And the three questions were, am I okay? Are you okay? Are we okay? And 25 years later, she's still with McGowan Braybender. <laughs> she's still my truth teller and uh, might've been one of the best gifts I've ever gotten in my life. Oh, I don't think there's much doubt about that. Scott, you, uh, you always make me smile. I always learn in my time with you. I know our listeners have done the same. If they want to reach out and know more about you or get to, you know, get to talk to you or reach out for uh, advice, is there a way for them to do that? Yeah. So the uh, email, psmcgowan at mcgowanbribbener.com. And you can call me on my cell, 
and uh, 937-231-2572. LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Instagram. He's social all, media buff. He is. <laughs> you are. <laughs> and uh, and he will pick up his phone, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. I promise he does that. Thank you so much for honoring me with not only being on the on this podcast, but your friendship for all these years, Scott. You're a, you're a good man. I love you. And uh, I will thank you one more time and then we'll get out of here. So thank you for being with us today, Scott. Well, thank you for having me, Ed. And thanks for everything that you give and McGowan, Braybender, uh, and myself, too. Yeah, you're very welcome. If you want to reach uh, Ed Epley, please do so at the epleygroup.com. That's E-P-P-L-E-Y, all one word. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And if you want to get me, you can have my cell phone number, too, 937-603-8110. Thanks, Scott. Be well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's theepleygroup.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills.